0: Yeah. Welcome to a special episode of super mystery bros our 10 episode retrospective where i'm joined by kyle before we get into this i want to give you all a fair warning that there's going to be spoilers in this so if you still have some episodes from one to ten that you you still want to listen to you might want to listen to those first before this one but uh, if you spoiler, don't care
1: they're all super good
0: <laughs> yeah exactly um you interrupted my train of thought, man. Sorry, but I anyway, apologize. um, there's going to be no script or story on this one. What we're going to do here is that we're going to talk about each episode that we've done individually. I'm going to talk about whether my opinion has changed since the original recordings, and we're going to just talk about some maybe some loose ends that we forgot to mention in some of our discussions. And I'm going to get Kyle's opinions on the episodes that he wasn't a part of. And then... We're probably going to talk about a little bit about what went right, what went wrong and how we can improve on future episodes. So um, before we begin, though, let's just talk a little bit about the technical side of the podcast before we get into, you know, the past episodes. I've got to mention something up front that went horribly wrong on episodes one through six and it's because I could not for the life of me figure out why Ivan's microphone sounded so much worse than mine did. And like a fucking idiot, it took me about nine episodes until I figured out what the problem was. So the horrendous reverb on and echo on on Ivan's microphone should be fixed on future episodes with on future episodes that he's gonna be a part of. So Ivan is local to where I live. So we do this show together in person. But Kyle lives on the other side of the world from us. So our episodes are done remotely. So first and foremost, I think I've fixed the sound quality and we should get a much better sound moving forward, especially with Ivan. So aside from the microphone issue, it's gone better than I'd hoped. So that's good. That's pretty good. Do you have anything that you want to say up front before we kind of dig into the past episodes?
1: All I want to say is what a world we live in where we can record live pretty much a podcast episode from opposite sides of the planet.
0: Yeah, isn't it? It's kind of the shit shit we dreamed about doing when we were kids, and now it's a reality that we take for granted.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: All right. So let's dig into it unless you have anything that you want to bring up. Oh, actually, there is one thing I wanted to bring up. So we've received very little input from listeners of the show, and it would be nice if anybody out there listening could write us reviews on Apple Podcasts. We've only received one so far, or even the, the, the star button on Spotify. It, it could help us reach more people. So if you like what we do, it's quick and easy. We'd be really grateful for it. I'd also like to extend out an offer here. If you leave us a five-star rating and review, I mean, not just the five-star button, but you also type something out on Apple Podcasts, you can shoot us an email at supermysterybrospodcast at gmail.com. Um, let us know that it was from you, and then we'll let you select an upcoming mystery for us to do. So I'm going to extend that out only to the first three people who do this. That's so does quite that sound a good?
1: Prize. <laughs>
0: Does that sound good to you?
1: Yeah, man, that sounds great.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to be able to guarantee which co-host is going to be able to do your show. Um, It's going to be a coin toss, whether that's going to be Ivan or Kyle. So I'm not going to let you choose. Hey, guys, it's Nate from the future. I just want to give a shout out to George real quick for leaving us a positive review on Apple Podcasts. So George, if you're out there, feel free to shoot us an email at supermysterybrospodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com or a voice message on our website if you have a topic or a mystery you'd like to hear us cover. My I haven't forgotten about you either, and yours is on the way. So just to be clear here, I'm going to grandfather both of you in, and then the offer for the next three reviewers still stands, and it's going to start from George's review. Yeah, that's that's basically all I all I've got, man, before we uh we start this out. So Fresno Nightcrawler, man, I want to know what you think, because you are not a part of this episode, and I would like to know what you thought of our very first episode that we did.
1: I thought it was uh, pretty creepy. I'm norm- normally not into um that kind of like supernatural stuff. Right. And this guy's, you know. Uh, security camera footage, of something creepy scurrying across the lawn, all face, you know, all fuzzy and everything, mm-hmm. a little creepy. But it, um, uh, on a personal level, it was really cool, you know, to hear my buddy do a podcast, his first episode. It was cool to hear your voice because, yeah. you know, like like we said, we live on opposite sides of the planet. But it, you know, I I hadn't seen your face or even heard your voice since the last time you were in town, so it's it's been yeah. years, yeah. So mm-hmm. that was really cool, you know, and um, yeah, it's it's been a fun thing to just watch grow. Um, I don't really have any opinions on the Fresno Nightcrawler thing, uh-huh. you know. Um, sorry, I didn't have more input on that one. Like, I don't know if it was just like a bag or something else. Cause you know, the video is blurry and it's hard to tell. Yeah. So I'm I just going to s- say it was a cr- creepy fucking phenomenon, man. Like that one gave me chills.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I actually, uh, I could see how some people might think it was like a plastic bag blowing in the wind. But, um, I actually, my opinion on the Fresno nightcrawler and what it was, it's, I think it's still a bird. My opinion hasn't changed on it. Um, I actually, after we did that one, I, I watched the video over and over again to see if I could really find something that would help me determine what it was. And, you know, if, as you're watching this thing about to exit frame, like it's coming towards the camera, right? Initially. And then it's, it goes underneath the camera and then off frame. Oops. Just hit the microphone. Um, it comes off frame and, uh, if you're looking closely, you can actually see the bird's head bobbing back and forth as it's moving. So, to me, mm. 100% some kind of bird. Um gotcha. I I was right. I th- I think my assumption was right. You can see the head of this thing bobbing back and forth as it's as it's walking, especially as it gets super close to the camera. Um so yeah, really really fucking old VHS tape that just it's just a total piece of shit VHS tape that made it look like it's this fucking crazy ass shit. Um, yeah, well,
1: you know, it especially if you preface it with a title like Fresno Nightcrawler, it kinda gives you that preconception in your head right. that it's something creepy.
0: Yeah, and um I wasn't the one that came up with that name, so I don't I don't take any of the credit for that. But um as for the Yosemite footage and the Poland footage, those I think were hoaxes. My, my opinion hasn't changed there. Um, one thing that might might have changed is I've got to I've got to give a little bit more credit to that guy on the History Channel show. Uh, I think that it could have been something that he just misidentified, and then. He kind of ran with it after people online told him that it was a Fresno Nightcrawler. So I've got a, I'm less confident that it was a hoax. It might've just been some animal, uh, it was like Ivan said, two deers standing on their hind legs fighting with each other. I think I could see that after he, he mentioned that on the, on the, uh, episode. So I'm not so sure that what that guy captured on his camera was a hoax but I don't think it was some crazy supernatural shit. So yeah, no. it's just a fun little story. I mean, this episode to me was kind of a turd, definitely not my favorite episode, but it was kind of, it was kind of like a, Oh, like Ivan said, cause like I, I talked with Ivan a while back about it and he's, he said something pretty profound. He said, "Well, in Russia, we have this saying: you can't make pancakes without first ruining the first one." So that's kind of how I how I see this episode. Is it's it kind funny. Of a,
1: my my mother in law kind of has the same saying, which is when you make pancakes, the first one always goes to the dogs.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's the same same <laughs> saying. So so yeah. That's how I kind of feel about that episode. Uh just something to dip our toes into. We yeah. totally fucked it up kind of, but it was it it's was okay, our first man. One. It was the
1: first episode yeah. yeah. you'd never done a podcast recording before.
0: Yeah. All right. So uh do you have anything else you want to say about the Fresno Nightcrawler or do you want to move on?
1: I think we can move on.
0: All right, so number two, the shadow people phenomenon. So, this one, believe it or not, is our most popular episode by downloads. So, it wasn't something I was expecting, honestly. Like, we haven't delved into any ghostly phenomenon aside from this one yet, but I think we're going to have to do something else along these lines soon, pretty soon. If that's what the people want. <laughs> yeah. So, I. I mean, as for the episode itself, I still stand by the story that I told. Um, and as for what shadow people are, I still have no fucking idea. Um, the only thing that I do know is that it's a real phenomenon because it happened to me. Um, there are, there are a couple things that I forgot to mention in the story that I wish I had remembered to say. So I think now would be the time to bring it up. Um, like, during the episode when I was telling this story, I, I felt that I didn't do a good enough job of describing what the figure actually looked like, so I'm going to do that right now. So, as I saw this figure moving down the aisle of Sears, I mentioned that it was like a, a tall, dark, like, human-shaped figure, which is true, but it that's like a very basic description. The other weird part about it was that it looked kind of like um it was surrounded by some sort of, like, cloud or mist and it was human like but it was surrounded by some like weird ass vaporous cloud but it was all black like it was all uniform super dark black and i don't really know how to describe it in in words really but when i was looking for an episode photo for for that episode i i went on to google images and i just searched for shadow people and i i found one that it fucking shocked me because it looked about 95% Identical to what I saw in Sears, and um, that's the photo that I made the episode photo in Spotify or any other app that supports episode photos. So if you go on your app and it supports episode photos, that's the image for this episode. is a very, very accurate description of what I saw when I was in at Sears. That's um, the fun. old
1: fucking creepy dude i'm looking at it right now
0: <laughs> yeah so so that's basically <laughs> what i what i saw but the only difference the only difference is that i didn't see a hat on it i mean it could have been wearing a hat for all i know but it's not something that i noticed because i was looking at it kind of from the corner of my eye so i didn't see like a whole lot of detail on it so that was really the only difference but that that is a very very accurate a representation of what I saw. Um, Yeah. Oh, I don't know if
1: I'd be able to sleep again.
0: I saw something like that. You know, it's weird because um, it didn't really freak me out at the time, which was weird because prior to that, if you would ask me if that, if seeing something like that would scare the shit out of me, I would say, oh, hell yeah. I would probably say the exact same thing that you just said. (laughs) But it was, it was really weird. Like it didn't freak me out. I, I just went back to work. Basically I was, I was waiting for the all clear to be announced for us to start counting our registers at Sears. And, um, I just saw this fucking weird ass shit, but it, it happened so fast. Like it within a matter of, I don't know, like five seconds, maybe, Um, so I didn't really have time in my, in my head for all of this to sink in. Like it didn't freak me. It all like hit me after it was already gone where I was like, Whoa, did I really just see that? And, um, so yeah, like I, it didn't freak me out, which surprised me. And I went back and I counted my registers as normal. And, uh, yeah, after we, they, we were waiting for them to let us out. Uh, I, I was talking to some of the other employees and I, I wanted to bring up that the guys that I talked to who worked in the back receiving area, um, the one that told me that he saw a ghost wearing old West clothes, it didn't hit me until after that episode aired um, that he might have been talking about the hat, which is something yeah. really weird, which is something really weird that a lot of people report these shadow people wearing is some sort of top hat like a cowboy style hat or a fedora it's uh, so bizarre it's really bizarre i don't know what a, why a ghost would be wearing some kind of hat but it's one of those things man that it makes no fucking sense but it's not something that i just i can just dismiss as being fake and made up because well, yeah well,
1: especially be, because you had your own experience and plus yeah. there's countless reports of it
0: yeah and especially in that building other people having their own experiences with shit it kind of blew my mind and um uh yeah do you have any any questions or input about the episode i mean that's basically the only thing that i wanted to to brush up on was clarifying a couple things there
1: uh where i stand on supernatural phenomena like that you know especially Mm -hmm. in the case of shadow people which you know is pretty much every report or the vast majority of them is they're only caught in your peripheral vision of like the corner of your eye right Mm -hmm. so i think a lot of these not not always
0: but usually
1: yeah 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 so i think a lot of the reports are probably just a figment of your imagination but if you mm-hmm. have already read up on shadow people your brain might just go there and you're like oh shit right. i just saw a shadow person but <laughs> um it, it, even though i've never had any personal supernatural phenomenon experience myself i do know that that stuff is 100 real you know when people are like oh ghosts aren't real it's that it, I've never seen a ghost. I've never had any kind of weird spooky experience, but they are for sure 100% real. Some people are just yeah. more sensitive to it than others,
0: you know. That's kind of the way I see it too. I I wouldn't say that I'm like sensitive to it because that's really I haven't had any, like aside from that and some kind of weird stuff that I can't really I can't really connect directly to paranormal phenomenon. I I went into it. I I think I put an asterisk an air an asterisk next to what I said after the um after I told the Sears story, right? right? So, but anyway, like I put an asterisk next to what I was what I said after the Sears incident because some weird stuff did start happening, like my uncle's death, and then um uh some weird thudding sounds underneath my floor underneath my room where I lived and then my auntie telling the story of when she she felt something grab her waist and yeah I mean like other than that stuff that happened between 2011 and 2012 I haven't had any other experiences with supernatural stuff so the way I see it is I I was kind of in the right place at the right time and I wouldn't say like I wouldn't say that I'm more sensitive or anything. Just right place, right time. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, I gotcha. So if you don't have anything else to go over on this one, do you want to go over Escape from Alcatraz or Episode 3? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that, that was my favorite episode, personally.
0: That's interesting because to me, this one is not one that I remember a whole lot about. It's kind of like it didn't stand out in my brain as being particularly good or bad. Um, it got off to a weak a weak start. I remember like kind of low energy Jeb Bush style, you know, but, um, I think we, we evolved into a pretty good conversation about it at the end. Yeah. And,
1: um, yeah, I just liked all of like the technical aspects of it, you know, each, mm -hmm. each carefully planned step, you know, and the, uh, made-up life vests and the made-up raft and you know and then reviewing it later like how many scientific inquiries were made into things like the tides and you know the flow of the water and like where these guys could have wound up and people made like models and you know yeah, computer programs to track
0: all that stuff not yeah i thought it was really cool and then um the ai the AI facial recognition technology that somebody used to um to try and figure out if those two men in the old photograph were the Anglin brothers. Like mm-hmm. I at the time I didn't put much weight into it, but I think since doing that episode, I do put a little bit more weight into that because I do know that AI is scary accurate when it comes to stuff like that. So
1: well, it is I, now I would, when, when was that facial recognition yeah. done? What, 2020, what 2020. That's close enough. That's close, close enough. enough.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at the same time too, uh, um, I kind of felt that the firm that did that AI facial recognition study on the, on the faces might've done that more as a advertisement to promote their, their technology. So yeah,
1: like, a, like a publicity stunt kind of thing. Exactly.
0: Exactly. So that's kind of the way I, maybe I'm too cynical, but that's kind of where I stood on it. And the fact that they never turned up again, committing some other crime somewhere else. I mean, yeah, that's kind of that was kind of like the biggest hint to me that they never made it but um i will say that at the time of doing that episode i said i was like 70 percent sure that they didn't make it but mm-hmm. i would say now i'm more like 60 percent. so it, it did shift <laughs> in their favor a little bit since doing that episode yeah no i'm
1: like 90 percent sure they made it you know really they never why are found... you so sure well they never found any bodies and then mm-hmm. you know like like i said um I listened to this episode, I actually listened to this episode twice. That that's how much mm-hmm. I fucking like really like enjoyed it and try to like pick it apart piece by piece, right? And every mm-hmm. single step, like it, it was all kind of like unlikely, but you put it all together and each step is possible. And yeah. the the escape is possible if everything, every step goes perfectly. Now, that normally Mm -hmm. doesn't happen in life, especially with sketchy undertakings like this, you know, but to quote Mm -hmm. Dr. Emmett Brown, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And now and now stack on top of that, your life and your freedom is on the line. (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that's definitely true. Um, You know, another thing I was thinking about was the possibility that they had some outside help and um and what i mean by outside help is like someone waiting in the bay on a boat p- to pick them up rather than them trying to go all the way to angel island on that shitty fucking raft they all they had to do was make it past like the the danger zone around alcatraz itself and then get picked up by somebody who was going to be there at a specific date and time and i think that that's why the um they the the three men left their fourth the fourth guy behind i can't remember his name but he he got left behind and uh i think that they left him behind because their ride was going to leave without them and they had to
1: i think they left him behind cuz he was too fat to fit through the hole and they didn't want to fucking lose any window that they had um that, that could be true that, too yeah that That would definitely make the escape a lot easier if they had planned that out. But, I mean, the San Francisco Bay is huge. And this is in the middle of the night when it is fucking pitch black. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, a, a time and location is great, but that's easier if you can give, like, cross streets, dude. But out in the middle, the water and the pitch black, like, that would be a rough thing to figure out, like, a pickup location like that. You know. Well,
0: see, the thing is, like, I think they might have had access to flashlights, maybe. I, I wonder if they did. I, I don't know for certain, but it doesn't seem like too, well, let me think, some sort of illumination, right? And then yeah. I'm sure the boat, if there was a boat to pick them up, they they would have had lights on the boat, too. So they would have definitely, had to have something.
1: Yeah. yeah, it Yeah, it would be a lot easier to, to spot a boat, you know, but then... You know, the boat's got to find them. And so it's yeah. kind of like giving away your position if you're flicking flashlights out in the pitch blackness. You know, I mean, like a bo- right. boats just have like running lights, you know. So, mm-hmm. so as long as you're not in whatever restricted waters area they have around the island, you know, no one's going to think anything of it. But if the boat's using like a spotlight to search the waters. Well, no, that's not off- what I mean. I, I would just
0: yeah. think like some sort of navigation light and just yeah. okay paddle towards those lights over there. That was yeah. kind of what I was thinking. And then um I don't I guess they wouldn't even need flashlights honestly. They could just paddle towards that location and then bam, they're there. Yeah. So yeah, I I've I've shifted my opinion just slightly more in their favor. I would say 60-40 now. I still think that if I were to choose one side or the other, I would say that they still, they didn't make it, but I could be wrong. And, uh, yeah. Do you have anything else you want to talk about with uh, episode three? Mm, no, I think that was about it. All right. Axeman of New Orleans, episode four the uh, Halloween the Halloween um, scarathon. The creepiest
1: fucking episode you did. You put a lot of effort into making that intro extra fucking freaky, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, so this one was actually one of my favorites so far that we've done. Um, you know, at the time, I didn't really think much of the episode. Like, I thought it went okay, but I listened to it again recently, and I was like, oh, you know, I th- I really enjoyed listening to that. And, um, you know, at the time, I had a horrible cold, and I I was wearing a a, a mask because I didn't want to... Contaminate Ivan at the time. But, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, dude, like, my opinions on that haven't changed really. I just, I thought that we could have done better on the discussion part. We kind of blew past the categories of serial killer that Ivan brought up, and we just jumped right into what we thought without really explaining very well. So, in the future, I got to do a better job of, of, explaining stuff better
1: if you say so man i think you add plenty of detail to your episodes
0: well thanks um i still i still have the same opinion though i think the guy was motivated by power and control rather than by anything else like he could have had other mo, other side motives but the primary thing that he was fueled by in my opinion was was power and control and uh Yeah, I don't really have much else to say about about that guy other than that. What about you? Do you have any any thoughts on that guy? I think that he was not 100
1: percent human, you know, like maybe like was born a human, you know, human body. But I think something supernatural had a hold of this guy.
0: You, you know? think that an actual um, demon demon
1: possessed him? I mean, like I didn't want to come out and like say that, but that or something like along those lines. Like some extra extra evil energy is mm-hmm. in him on him something driving him to do this gnarly stuff and to write the letters that the the way he wrote it, you know, mm-hmm. um New Orleans, I'm not sure if you've been, but I I've been a couple times, love going there, but there is weird, spooky energy to New Orleans, you know, really right. weird stuff. You know, there's lots of weird occult stuff going on there. Um, Lots of, lots of dead bodies that they tried to bury for hundreds of years. And every time a big flood came, they would just pop up out of the ground, go floating down the street, you know, yeah, that's fucked up. <laughs> that's, that's why when you go to graveyards in New Orleans, they're all above ground crypts but it took them a few times to figure that one out um yeah just old city um i've done multiple ghost tours through there there is just freaky shit that happens in that city some evil possessive energy the stories i've heard of people walking past like particular buildings and just kind of like losing control of themselves for like a few minutes yeah it's weird so i i totally believe that something paranormal supernatural was in this guy driving him.
0: Dude, you might be fucking right, man. What if, what? Okay. I'm going to just throw this out here, but what if the ax man of new Orleans wasn't just one person? What if it was like a a demon spirit that just jumped from body to body? And it's possible too. Yeah. Shit, dude. And like that letter that he wrote was really fucking weird. Yeah.
1: Like, that was out there. I mean, like even if you were like a professional fiction writer, I don't know if you could just come up with something like that without having something like that deep in your soul.
0: Yeah, dude, I agree. It sucks, man, but it's, it's been so long that that, that one's never going to be solved. No, 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 yeah. never. Um, it,
1: Have you ever seen um American Horror Story? No. So it, that's a show. It's been on FX, and every season is just like a completely different story. But they use a lot of like the same cast members. And mm-hmm. one of the seasons they did was about a coven of witches in New Orleans. And they had a flashback episode about the the Axeman of New Orleans, uh-huh. and it was the night where where he issued the warning, you know, that said anyone who plays jazz will not be harmed. And right. this coven of witches that lived there heard the warning, and they on purpose did not play jazz. And the Axeman showed up and they killed him. It was a pretty cool, pretty cool take on the Axeman.
0: <laughs> huh. Interesting.
1: Yeah. It, yeah. They, uh, they portrayed him as a uh, saxophone player, you know, cause it's just full of jazz musicians <laughs> and yeah. And he just hid a little hatchet inside of his sax case. And so he could just leave the bar he was playing at carrying the saxophone case and Whenever he targeted a house he wanted to go hit, he would have his weapon of choice with him wherever he went.
0: You know, I think what's kind of interesting is I think a lot of the murders that happened from the Axeman was the victim's own axe that was like, oh, just grabbed from their yard. Yeah, like I, I can't remember which ones, but I, I remember being like, oh, this guy just went to somebody's house and killed them with their own axe. It was really bizarre that is bizarre. There's not a lot of yards
1: in New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. But, but then again, I'm I, my my only real experience is fucking, you know, the the French Bourbon Quarter Bourbon Street. Street,
0: Toulouse, yeah.
1: stuff like that.
0: Um all right, so if you've got nothing else to add to the the Axman of New Orleans, um do you want to talk about episode 5 next? Yeah, let's go for it. So, this one actually, believe it or not, might be my favorite one that we've done so far and i say that yeah
1: is it because you went to
0: pilot school no that's not the reason so the reason (laughs) is um because i've heard of this story a lot right and i've heard it i've seen it talked about online and i've seen a lot of like TV shows talk about it, but I've never seen anybody show anything from the investigators reports that we, that I found on the Australian government's website. And I remember when I was, when I was doing the research for this one, I could not believe how dishonest and disingenuous all of these like UFO and paranormal show people are about it. Like they only reported it at face value and they, they aren't fair and balanced about it. They don't, they don't talk about what that guy was going through in his personal life and how he was failing over and over in his, in his flight school. Um, He was lying about, about his progress. And I just felt like, why, why do I have to be the guy to point this stuff out? I'm sure a lot of other people have pointed this out too, but it's it's never the, the the content that floats to the top when it comes to this. It's all very clickbaity and they want to push this angle that a UFO shot him down without going into the reasons why that might not be the case. So to me, I, 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 I was really proud of the job that I did on that episode. Uh, my opinions, my overall opinion on that one has not changed. Um, except for the fact that I think at the time I said I was like 51% sure that he committed suicide, but now I'm more like 90%.
1: Didn't they, uh, never find any pieces of his plane?
0: Well, they found, they found, uh, some pieces of a Cessna plane, but they were not able to determine whether, whether it was him or not. Like, um, there were some other planes that were missing at the, at around that time that it could have been. But when it comes to him, no trace of him was ever found again or his plane yeah. at least confirmed. Um, what was I going to say? Like his dad was paying an ungodly amount for flight school and yeah. it is really fucking expensive. And he was telling everyone about, how he only had one or two more courses to pass before he would get his commercial pilot's license. And he was nowhere even near that. And he just kept failing over and over. And I think that the time was just, it was rapidly coming to where he would no longer be able to keep up the charade. So not, not only was he about to get exposed for lying to everyone, his dad was probably going to be furious if he found out that his son was just pissing away his money. So I think it's, it's kind of the equivalent of if some kid told his parents that he was going to go to some expensive university, but he just kept flunking his freshman year over and over and just wasting money. And then the time comes to graduate and he can no longer keep up the charade and he can't face it. So I think it's happened before where, you know, people kill themselves because they've been lying about their progress. And then for everyone to find out about their lie is not something they can accept. And so they, they kill them they kill themselves. And the the act of killing themselves overshadows all of the lies that they've been telling prior yeah. to killing themselves. You know what I mean? So that's that's how yeah. I how I view this one. And you know, he knew that his dad was a big believer in UFOs. So he I think that he crafted this plan. To tell Melbourne Flight Service um, about a UFO that was flying around his air his airplane, and then he just flew off in whatever direction that he was going to go in to commit suicide. And so, one thing I did for I I forgot to mention was that another reason I think he crafted this story was specifically so that his family or his estate would not be on the hook for the cost of the of the destroyed aircraft. So he oh. made up this cover story maybe so that the insurance company would be on the hook instead of his family, his estate or whatever. I don't know how the law works in Australia, but that's kind of what I was thinking that if he just said, oh, some strange aircraft is, is zooming around me and then I just disappear. Well, well, it's not my fault. It's some other aircraft or whatever. Yeah. Um.
1: Yeah. Does, uh, Australian aircraft insurance have some sort of shot down by UFO claim? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah I, don't I don't know. I don't know who would have been on the hook to pay for the airplane, but I think that that was his, his logic there. And I think that he, he wanted to leave the, this world on an airplane, like go out yeah. on an airplane on his own terms, but without leaving his family footing the bill for the, for the destroyed plane. And yeah, You know, the story, all in all, it was convenient for both his legacy and for his family. Like his dad, his dad would believe that aliens abducted him and that he might still be alive somewhere like on their mothership or something. And and he would go down in history for having been shot down or abducted by a a UFO mid-flight. His family would either not find out or would just overlook the fact that he was lying about his progress and... His family would not be on the hook financially for the down plane. So it's kind of like the perfect story for him to kill himself.
1: Yeah, I, I agree that everything points in that direction, you know, and like the other theories, you know, of like, oh, maybe he just like left to start a new life, you know, be, because he was failing flight school. He didn't sound smart enough to pull off something like that to just go yeah. missing with an intact plane to never be seen again. Um, Yeah. And
0: dude, dude, fucking low IQ too. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, clinically low IQ based on military tests. And I don't know how the military tests are, are like in Australia. Like if you're going to try to enlist, but the ones in America are just like comically easy. It's kind of like that scene in idiocracy where it's like, if you have (laughs) one bucket with five gallons and another bucket with three gallons, How many buckets do you have? (laughs) You know, the
1: dude's looking around the people trying to hammer square pegs into round holes.
0: Yeah. And then the recruiter just goes, congratulations. You're qualified for everything. It's like, Oh Really? That test was really easy. (laughs) But anyway, um, do you have anything else you want to add to episode five?
1: um, yeah. Just the fact I thought it was cool that you had a flight experience that you could add, you know, mm-hmm. you were talking about the the technical stuff and what it's like to fly a Cessna, you know, compared mm-hmm. to flying wings with where you're compared to flying planes where your wings are below the fuselage. Yeah. Oh, no, I yeah. That, like, really... I'm glad uh,
0: I'm glad you brought that up. Sorry to interrupt you. But um, yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah uh, you're you talking
1: the... about that, that like phantom role, right?
0: The graveyard spin. So graveyard I wanted spin. to say it the graveyard spin to me didn't really make a lot of sense. And uh, I know the guys who came up with it are really smart, but I think that Occam's razor here is that he, he committed suicide. Um, yeah. I understand why they would think that they might think that he got into a graveyard spin. But um, to me, I think it's more likely that he he purposely killed himself.
1: Yeah, well, well, yeah, because, you know, a, a graveyard spin that's on accident, so why would he go right. through the whole UFO transmission story, you know? Well, that's that's the thing. Crash? He
0: the, the the theory goes is that he got into the graveyard spin because he was distracted looking up at the stars that he thought were, was the UFO. So, you know, like I said, when you're in a Cessna, When you want to look above you, like when you look to the left or you look to the right, you can't see above you. So what you do is you rock your wings back and forth. And if you're rocking your wings back and forth, maybe he's also distracted by looking up out the front of his windscreen. I mean,
1: you'd have to be staring out your your windscreen or your window. Right. With your mouth open like a chicken in the rain. Right. Just letting your plane drop and not. Well, that's exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Just, exactly. You, know, like you, you wouldn't notice the difference in G's. You wouldn't notice the feeling yeah. of leaning. Really? That seems That's exactly so my unlikely. thoughts.
0: That, those yeah. were exactly my thoughts, because even if you pull slightly over one G, it's you can feel it. <laughs> you can feel well, 1G it. I mean, is a, it's it, what, this is one. A, a real plane of force. Flying a real plane is so much different than flying like a flight simulator on your computer because you yeah. can actually feel shit. And when you feel shit, you get a completely different sense of oh, what's going on. It's, a, it's
1: the same thing between driving and and, and, and racing simulators. You well, know? yeah, he,
0: but I'm I'm saying it's it's an even bigger difference. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's my thoughts. Um, I think he killed himself. Uh, I I just think the graveyard spin theory, it was a nice thought, but I I don't think that's Occam's razor. I concur. All right, let's move on. Episode six, the mad pooper of Pine Creek. Um, What did you think about this? Did you have any thoughts that you wanted to add to this one?
1: Aside from it being just another super bizarre, weird mystery. um, I I really only had two theories on it, which um, one was that this lady, the, the mad pooper might have been targeting the lady who lived there. You know, like just some sort of, you know, I don't know, like bizarre incident, like she got cut off or this lady dissed her, you know, at like a bar or something, and just didn't remember, you know. And she's like, "Oh yeah, well I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna get you back," you know. Um, the the other one is uh is chasing the first high, right? You know, so so she's mm-hmm. running, she she has this emergency, she has to poop out of nowhere. And she just winds up pooping on this lady's front lawn and gets up and leaves and gets away with it scot-free and maybe just gets this insane rush from it. You know, just the greatest high she has ever felt from getting away with this god-awful act. And that's why she keeps going back and doing it to see if she can feel that again, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so so those are my only real two theories on that without going into well, a lot of detail. So
0: so your first your first one I can debunk immediately because it wasn't just the Buddy family's lawn that that she was shitting on. So um if you listen to that news clip that that we rolled it early on in the episode, um the news reporter mentioned that she's been spotted defecating outside of a Walgreens and in people's backyards. So it wasn't just Kathy buddy, but Kathy buddy became sort of like the the centerpiece of the story because she was the one who actually came forward to the media. Um, she got attention by, because she was posting flyers all over the neighborhood and, uh, yeah. And she was the one being targeted the most. And I also, I agree with your second theory is that because Kathy buddy caught her doing it the first time Mm -hmm. Um, it became kind of like um, an extra rush for her to come back and do it again because she knew that Kathy buddy was was watching out for her in the neighborhood because because she got caught doing it so it became extra dangerous and therefore an extra thrill it's kind of like chasing that first high as you as you described. And yeah. I think that's what I think that's what this was. Um, and like I said in the episode, I don't think that she, it was for exhibitionism. I don't think that she wanted people to like see her as she's shitting. I think it was more like wanting to do it and get away with it rather than yeah. expose herself.
1: Yeah, I agree. Cool. All right. So well, we both have the same theory. She she did this once for whatever reason, got away with it and dug how it felt and kept doing it
0: yeah pretty much that's that's i i still stand by what i originally said all right um hole in the ground game my first uh, this was episode our, yeah this was our our first episode so um this one it was a little bit awkward because doing a podcast over zoom it's more challenging than it is in person but I think yeah. it, I think it was okay. Um, it was definitely not my favorite episode, but I did it. I did enjoy doing this one.
1: Me too. Me too. And I'm sure you know pe- people listening can could probably hear that the banter between you and I doesn't sound as natural as between you and Ivan because there's like yeah. a like a probably like a half a second delay, which is once again super impressive being on opposite sides of the planet. You know. Yeah. But that's why we we tend to sound like we're talking on top of each other because i hear a gap where i can speak but by the time i start speaking you're already speaking again so it it definitely sounds a little more clunky
0: yeah and the energy is just not the same when the other person's not in the room with you so yeah it's it, it takes me a, a little bit like a little bit of time to warm up and become a little bit more natural so i think we need to like warm up a little bit uh bet- like between episodes yeah for sure um yeah, I haven't I haven't given this episode a whole lot of thought because it's so open-ended and it's so highly speculative. Um but my overall feelings haven't really changed on this one. Uh I just think that they were probably a group of like a small group of construction workers and they wanted yeah, to yeah. do the they wanted to do the big dirty. Yeah. And then in the episode I speculated that maybe they were Vietnam vets that got shat on and spat on and they just finally got theirs. But to me, it's that's pure speculation. And it's kind of wishful thinking on my part.
1: I mean, it holds weight, you know, that that theory Mm -hmm. holds weight, you know, about like why they'd be so comfortable and adept at digging tunnels. But they also could have just been construction workers that have just been moving dirt their whole lives, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, Yeah, I would like to apologize for my uh, uber fuck-up I made, right? So, in the episode, we talk about how they move 3,000 cubic feet of dirt. And to try to put that in perspective for the listeners, I said, all right, so you know the the front loader, the giant four-wheeled yellow cat with the big-ass bucket on the front, right? That is one cubic yard of dirt. And 3,000 cubic feet of dirt is 1,000 of those buckets. But I'm a moron, and I did poor math, right? 3,000 cubic feet is not a 1,000 yards. It's only about 111 yards. And I did that after the episode, because in my head I was like, you know what, that didn't sound right. That is a metric fuck ton of dirt. And so, yeah. But still, a big, you know... Heavy machinery, construction grade, dirt moving bucket, 111 of those. These guys moved with wheelbarrows over who knows how long these guys ha- had to move that dirt without it being noticed.
0: Yeah, I don't know how you're going to ever recover from that one, man.
1: Yeah, no, I'm a moron, man. <laughs> you know, when it's- when this blows up and you have a million listeners a week, I am going to be shit on so hard for the rest of my life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're never going to be able to live it down. Yeah.
1: Um one more thing, um the the detective that was assigned to this case, right? His name was Detective Pagan Cop, and I just got yeah. such a kick out of that last name. Like what a name for anyone in a police role. Pagan yeah. Cop.
0: <laughs> i yeah, mean it's not spelled cool. that way
1: but but it's pronounced that way it's like oh i am a pagan police officer <laughs> <laughs> i just i just thought that was so funny like what a name for a detective pagan cop yeah yeah i just I, I had to put that out there
0: yeah all right well um you want to go over episode eight brian schaefer yeah yeah so for this one um I've got to apologize up front kind of for this one because I had some technical issues and it that forced me to revert to some super low quality audio and I had to redo my portion of the discussion part because I had the wrong input selected on my my local recording software so the result was this god awful distorted fucking voice that you couldn't even understand it so I had to re-record that section again by myself so that fucking sucked. It took me a long time to edit the audio in such a way to make it even remotely presentable.
1: Well, I think you did a great job because I really couldn't tell the difference.
0: Well, there you go. Maybe I shouldn't have said anything then, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, man, um, I mean,
1: you're just trying to be transparent, and that's kind of the whole point yeah. of this whole podcast, you know, is just be open and transparent about everything you possibly can be.
0: yeah. So anyway, my my overall opinion on the case, it hasn't changed at all. I, I think that he left out the back of that freight elevator with the band. I want to be clear. I think it was with the band. And then after that, something bad happened to him. And whether that's foul play or some sort of overdose, uh, I really have no clue. I lean more towards it being some sort of accident that happened with him, which was then covered up. Like, I'm highly sus of the band for claiming that they don't remember talking to him when I think that it's highly, highly probable that he tagged along with him after the show out of that back elevator. So I think that I think they're hiding exactly what
1: happened. Yeah, I think they're,
0: they're hiding something.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that that is exactly what happened. That guy was going through a rough time. Right. And he's at this bar and now he's having a good time. And the band's playing and they're adding to his good time. And now the band's set is over. And the good time is gonna come to an end. So he's talking to the band and they're like, Hey, do you wanna come hang out? And he's like, Oh, I can keep this good time going. And it, you know, it escape yeah. all my depression and my you know shit that's going on for a little bit longer, you know. And at that point, you're already drunk, you're already wasted. It's time to make some really bad decisions. And that probably led to the end of his life. And yeah, like you said, man, the band probably didn't want to deal with that bullshit. You know, they could have been on the road. I mean, it they they said they were a local band, but still, same thing. Yeah, you know. I actually s- I actually
0: heard the name of the band. I, I just don't want to mention it here, just just in case like they are innocent. Um I I, I wanna just I don't know how local they are or if they're still together, but um yeah, like I don't know if they were touring or anything like that. I think they were just like kind of a a small small time band, but I'm not yeah. entirely sure.
1: Yeah. Well, still, you know, maybe one or more of the bandmates might have had priors, you know, maybe mm-hmm. probation, something like that. Something where they're like, even if this is an accident, I'm gonna be in deep shit for even being involved in something like this. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah. I I Totally agree, man. Like, I think that uh, something got covered up here. Well, do you want to move on or do you have anything else you want to talk about? No, man, that's for, for me, that's that's
1: open and closed. I mean, like what what happened in the very end is a mystery, but I'm pretty sure you and I nailed it, man. He got in that freight elevator with the band, went out the back, left with them and didn't survive his trip with them.
0: Yeah, and I think I'm I'm pretty sure that the police already know this, It but the problem is it's not what you know, it's what you can prove. So, Correct. you know, it sucks and it, it, it fucking sucks, man. Unless somebody comes forward that knows what happened, it's never going to get solved.
1: Yep, and the family will never have closure and that is definitely a bummer.
0: Yeah, well... Let's uh, move on to episode nine, the abduction of Betty and Barney Hill. So I want to know how you felt about this one before I get into some stuff on this one.
1: The return of Ivan. That yeah. was, was a long episode, man. You guys put a ton of effort into that. You know, yeah. you guys should be proud of that one. That was, Oh, very and I am. In and depth.
0: That one was probably the cleanest one that I've done so far.
1: Yeah. 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 That was a killer episode. Um, I think for sure these two were abducted because they had literally nothing to gain from lying about it. You know, mm-hmm. you, you were talking that that they were they were a mixed race couple back in what year was this? The fifties? Nineteen
0: sixty one.
1: Sixty one, right? Civil yeah. rights still a big deal, you know, and you know the 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 public's view on on mixed race relationships very poor violently poor, you know, you do not want that that relationship out in the media or anywhere where it doesn't need to be. You know, they they had no reason to make this up, put themselves in the spotlight, right? But after the husband died, I think Betty definitely kept going and started to make up pieces and bits of it so that she could keep attention on her. I think that she got kind of addicted to the attention. You know, yeah. Oh, so that's
0: interesting. You actually think they were legitimately abducted by aliens?
1: Yes, I think they were legit abducted. And after the husband died, the reason that there's inconsistencies in Betty's stories is that, you know, it the the story was fading into into obscurity and she wanted the attention, you know?
0: That's an interesting way of looking at it, actually. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I'm... I'm not like, uh, shooting your theory down or anything. It's just, um, I, I kind of disagree. And the reason why I I disagree is uh, it's hard to put it into words, but, um, you would have to walk. Did you listen to the, uh, the Betty Hill interview by any chance from
1: 1999?
0: I did not No. Okay. Well, I mean, if you, if you watched or listened to the interview, I think you would get a a better sense of who she is or who she was rather. Um, To me, I can't really put my finger on it, but there's something about her that I just, I couldn't, I couldn't trust her. Like, I remember when I was a kid and I would read all of these alien books on alien abduction and UFOs and all that stuff. Um, And I was just kind of a dumb kid, but I, I kind of believed it at the time because of the star map in particular. Um But without without actually seeing Betty talk and tell her story, there that element of bullshit going off in your brain isn't there. So
1: Yeah, I I get that. And then the, the whole thing with the star map, like it, it was really interesting, but I mean there's so many variables to that, you know, to, to, to Mm -hmm. the star map, you know, I mean, because, you know, Betty didn't draw the star map. Like, didn't she just give like a verbal description of what she remembered? And then no,
0: no, no, she actually drew it. So during hip, during hypnosis, she drew out the star map as she was recalling it in her, in her mind. Right. Right. So she, she drew it. She drew all the lines connecting the different stars and all that. Um, and then Marjorie fish, uh, later on in the decade was trying to piece it all together to figure out which stars were in this map. Right. Yeah. And so she's going to Ohio state, the o- the Ohio state university library, trying to find all the astronomical data within 55 light years of earth to find out like, you know, to construct basically a, a two scale model of our galactic neighborhood. And she does this but she can't find a match but then in i think it was 1972 new astronomical data was released and she used that new data completed her a new model of the of the galactic neighborhood and that's when she found the match and the it also, i'll give this to you in in the theory that this was a real abduction and these were all real memories but uh she found an exact match basically from one particular vantage point in space that you, you were looking at this map from there, are these, these stars, there was a perfect match that matched yeah, what Betty but that's, drew.
1: That's looking from a particular point in space to another particular point in space, which the, the combinations of that are infinite. And then even Carl Sagan shot her down on that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I think that was kind of like a far stretch like even chasing down like the star map. But 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 I think a person like Betty Hill being able to draw a star map while under hypnosis, I think that's pretty incredible. You know, like how are you making that up whilst under hypnosis?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agreed, man. Um, I think the main thing, though, that makes me not believe her story, though, is how human-like the aliens look? How she described them? How the leader could could speak English, you know, verbally, you know, as if you and I are talking, with with a quote-unquote heavy foreign accent. Um, yeah, to yeah, me, well, there was so always, dumb.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, in in movies and TV, you know, there, there's always that theory that that extraterrestrial extraterrestrial life forms can communicate via telepathy, you mm-hmm. know, so.
0: Yeah, but she didn't describe it as telepathy. She's just talking normally with the creature, you know. Yeah, but this is uh, also
1: 1961. There's not a ton of sci-fi movies out there. They probably don't even know what telepathy is or or how to describe an extraterrestrial being without just your basic knowledge of what a person looks like. You just compare it to a person. It's got, you know, two legs, two arms, a head, a torso, you know, that's. You know, you just go from there.
0: Yeah. I I mean, dude, I I totally respect your opinion because there are a lot of things about the case that you can point to and say, wow, that's really compelling. Um, but man, I think if I had to choose, I, I think that she I think it was kind of like a hoax. And um, you know, one thing that kind of made me also think it might have been a hoax was like, you know, their their honeymoon got cut short. And so this storm was coming and they're like, oh, shit, you know, we've we've postponed our honeymoon for, I think it was like a year and a half or something. And then when they finally get to go on this honeymoon trip of theirs, they go up to Canada, but then they have to come right back because of the storm coming. And then I could imagine them talking either on the road or at the diner about, well, you know, Barney, maybe we can just do something else for fun instead and, you know, come up with this <laughs> Make up a stupid story. story. Yeah. Well, you, you know, something like that. And then, um, it became a bigger thing than Barney expected it to ever become yeah. like, you know, government scientists started to get involved. The air force started to get involved, you know, the media, all of that. Yeah. And I think that the his the downfall of Barney and his health, I think, was directly related to all of the stress that this was causing him.
1: Yeah, I, I will not poo-poo that theory at all. Like that, that definitely holds weight. You know, I, I just mm-hmm. can't see past the the both of them freaking out under hypnosis.
0: Oh, and and there was okay. So to be fair here, I've got to be fair. There was a an unknown object that was detected by Peace Air Force Base's radar at, I think, 2.30 in the morning that night. But, you know, we don't know what it was, but they, they reported that they detected some sort of unknown object at around that time, which is that it makes the story a little bit more compelling. And it's something that I forgot to mention uh, during the episode.
1: All right. Well, you're being fair to me. I'll be fair to you maybe they did see something weird you know maybe there was something in the sky but maybe they didn't get abducted you know maybe (laughs) yeah 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 yeah, maybe that's what gave them the idea whether it was a ufo or something else who knows but maybe they did see something in the sky that they couldn't identify and then that's how they came up with the idea for the story so i'll give Mm -hmm. you that
0: yeah all right well cool man um that's I, I did not expect you to, to say that. That's that's cool though. I, I respect your opinion. Um Max Headroom incident. This was the last one we did, man. Um I don't know if you have anything else you wanted to add to this one or if you have any further thoughts that you want to that you want to go over. Uh not my, really, I mean, man.
1: That that one's still pretty fresh. I really haven't even had time to to think twice about it, you know. Yeah, it's I still just, I still just,
0: don't Oh, sorry. Go on.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Just that it's one of the more bizarre things that's kind of like ever happened, you know. Yeah. Just yeah. What what he did on camera and broadcast, just like why? <laughs> <laughs> just why? Yeah. It, it, every piece of it is just why.
0: <laughs> I, I still I still think that is some sort of performance art that that he did and. uh I don't necessarily, fancy. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think that it was like some sort of malice against the, the networks or, um, yeah, it's like, I don't think it was any, any, because of any malice. I think it was either a prank or some kind of performance art and it, it had the, the intended effect of making people think about, like, think about this and yeah. It wasn't something extremely like profane or vulgar. And like I said in the episode, if he wanted to be vulgar and profane just for the sake of being vulgar and profane, there were many better things he could have done than just that. So, yeah. But yeah, man, um I don't know if that one's ever going to get solved. Uh I think it would take probably <laughs> a deathbed confession, but I mean, yeah.
1: Yeah. And even still, it's like, would you even believe the person on their deathbed? Like, what what proof would they have? You know? <laughs> yeah. The, like, oh, I kept all that gear I used, you know? I
0: kept the marital aid. It's in my drawer I kept the underneath some it's socks. Still, <laughs> it's still in I the still mouth use of it. the
1: mask, headroom mask. I still use it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: That... That is an interesting point, though, you know, because you you talked about or we we talked about, you know, choosing Max Headroom as the mask and kind of allowing that character to come full circle, you know, Mm -hmm. from from anti-corporation to corporation face of advertising right back to anti-corporation. But why would he stick a dildo in the mouth of the mask? You're kind of like that's a really good question, man. Yeah, you're kind of defacing the whole point of everything. I just thought about that right now. Yeah. Why would you do that to the mask? Kinda Unless it's some weird, weird metaphor, man. You know, artists
0: <laughs> are weird people, man. Maybe it was some yeah, they are. metaphor I, that nobody else would understand. I actually hang out with artists every week. They are very weird people. I hang out with so, a very
1: specific group. I hang out with metalhead artists, which very cool and chill and accepting group of people it's really cool hanging out with them but man the shit that comes out of their head and out of their hand to a pen to paper
0: fucking (laughs) bizarre man yeah well um do you have anything else you want to say before we go we our time is running out here um i don't think so man looking forward to the next 10 episodes (laughs) thanks man thanks for thanks for tuning in if you've made it through this episode this far, please leave a rating and review if you have an iPhone or some other Apple device. Yeah, I, I really, I really fucking appreciate anybody who simply listens and enjoys the show. I just have a lot of fun making it, and I think that if I if I turned this into a, a monetary thing, it would be less fun for me. So, yeah, then you turn it into a job. No one wants exactly, that and then it's not fun. Yeah. So, all right man, um thanks for being a part of our 10 our 10 episode retrospective. I had a lot of fun. Yeah man, me too. I'm ha- happy to be a part of it. All right man, well, I'll see you on the next episode.
1: know what would justify a trip out
0: here JV's california burritos burrito. yeah yeah i knew you're gonna say that
1: <laughs>
0: spend like a thousand dollars on plane all- tickets <laughs> yeah. the world's, world's most, most expensive, expensive. Bur- <laughs> yeah world's most expensive burrito <laughs> the fucking epic burrito run <laughs> you know um there was actually a really good burrito i had in thailand um yeah at this place in bangkok called uh Margarita storm and it was pretty close. It's called like the San Diego style carne asada burrito, which was basically a like a like a Roberto's California burrito. is very similar to that. Yeah, I was is like, it oh, though? you know, I I could get down on this. Yeah, it was like it was like ninety eight percent, you know, the same. I mean, it, it nice. tasted like something you could get in San Diego
1: that's impressive. It's yeah, so I mean find like outside of San Diego.
0: <laughs> so that's going to be my new my new burrito source is flying to Bangkok and eating there. <laughs> <laughs> Just going there for a weekend and then flying back here. It's like a 400 dollar <laughs> California burrito
1: cheaper than coming here. <laughs>